0: Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, I would invite you to open, or grab one of those blue Bibles located underneath the seats around you, open up to page 942, that'll bring you to the text. Let me ask you a question, why do we, why do we die? Why do we actually all die? Right, they say there's nothing more certain than death and taxes. Right, you can be certain that both are going. You're going to experience both, but death even more so. You could probably evade taxes, right? Many people do that. You cannot evade death. Should we accept uh, death? Maybe you haven't thought about this, but should we accept it as just being a normal part of life? Just a normal part of life, or? As some religions teach, is death just part of the reincarnation cycle? Birth, death, rebirth, birth, death, rebirth, birth, death, rebirth, you know, this this whole thing. In other words, you die and then you start over and eventually you'll get it right and you'll go be part of the cosmic consciousness or some kind of nonsense like that. Or was Yoda right? And I'm always afraid to use these kind of things because I don't even know how many of you know who Yoda is. I mean, if you're older, like myself you know who yoda is who how many know, how many know who yoda is okay good well was he right cuz he said death is a natural part of life death is a natural part of life is what he said to the jedi rejoice he says for those around you around you who transform into the force okay that's buddhist nonsense i just want you to know that that is what that is where that stuff comes from it's very similar to buddhist teaching I like Star Wars and I dig Yoda, but I'm just saying he's off theologically, okay? And then he goes to say, mourn them do not, miss them do not, right? You know what I'm talking about now, right? That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Any of you, listen, any of you who have been to a funeral of someone you loved or cared for, did you not mourn them? Do you not still miss them? And did you not know at that moment that death is not right? It's not right. It's not natural. It's not normal. It's not the circle of life nonsense the Lion King wants to teach you. Oh, well, Simba, we all just kind of die and start over and we recycle through the thing. It's okay. I'll be a star up in heaven. I mean, nonsense stuff. Death is not normal, beloved. So now... We're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at it, okay? But before we get into the message, I need to let you know some things. This section of Romans, and I know I've said this before, but I need to say it again. Verses 12 through 21, and we're only going to look at verses 12 through 14 today, but it's a unit, okay? 12 through 21 is all one thought, one continual kind of peace, This section is said by many to be one of the most difficult to interpret in the entire book. Some even go further and say it is the most difficult in all of Paul's writings. Okay? I'm just trying to prepare you uh, for this section. And that being the case, there has consequently been a large amount, a great deal of debate and discussion among Bible teachers... Scholars concerning this part of Romans. Now listen, having spent many, many hours myself trying to understand exactly what Paul is really saying, not, hey, what I want it to say, what is Paul saying? What does he mean when he uses these words and these sentences and these paragraphs? And looking at all the various arguments and explanations of Bible scholars and Bible commentators and trying to see what they're saying and Some of them make your head spin. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you read it and you go, "Uh, what, what did you just say? And I read it again, okay? So after doing all that, I am persuaded that the main idea, the main meaning, the big idea is clear. The big picture is clear, okay? We will get, I believe, the big picture. I hope you will get it. But there are certainly, or there is certainly a degree of uncertainty and mystery concerning the details of the text. There is. There is some uncertainty, even some mystery, as you will see as we move through the section. So as we go through the section over the next couple of weeks, it'll take two weeks, this week and next, there are just a few big ideas I want you to walk away with. You can maybe write this down or just try to remember it. I'm going to repeat it again. We'll come back to it the first big idea I want you to walk away with from these, this section of Scripture is every person, every human being stands in relationship to either Adam or Christ. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say Adam? First human being. Every human being stands in relationship to either Adam or Christ, and it is the actions of these two men that determine the eternal destiny of all who belong to them. Okay? Now this will make this will start to make sense, but that's the big idea. Number 2 is, and we'll consider this more next week, the disobedience of Adam and the consequences of his sin are more than overcome by the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now again, you're saying, I don't, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Maybe you're saying that. I think it'll, make, it'll become clear as we look, look at the text, okay? So, before I give you or read it, I also want to give you a quick outline. It just kind of helps you, puts the pieces together. Verses 12 through 14, which we're going to look at today. In verses 12 through 14, you could call that an introduction to Adam and Christ. An introduction to Adam and Christ. Then in verses 15 through 17, Paul will make some contrast some contrast between Adam and Christ. Then in verses 18 through 21, Paul's going to make some important comparisons concerning Adam and Christ. So we have an introduction, Adam and Christ, contradictions concerning Adam and Christ, and comparisons concerning these two men, Adam and Christ. Are you with me so far? All right, let's read the text together. Beginning in verse... 12 We're going to read the whole section for context, and then we'll come back and just deal with verses 12 through 14 this morning. The Apostle Paul, under inspiration, records these words. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, that's a lot. we're going to deal with 12 through 14. We're going to deal with the rest of it next week. I believe I can do it in one week. So if that was a little confusing to you, be here for sure next week, and we'll, we'll tackle it. So inside of your bulletins, you'll find an outline. We're simply going to consider how the death of all men and the sin of Adam are linked together, okay? That's what we're going to do, so that we might have a more accurate worldview That's really a simple idea okay? that I'm suggesting there. worldview is, how do I understand the world? How do I make sense of the world? Well, if God is the one who created the world, and he is, then he's the one that can make sense of the world to us. But many times, we get our information about how we're supposed to understand the world from other sources that even never take God into consideration or what his word says. For example, how do I explain death? You know, if you go to the, to the evolutionary guy, he might say to you, well, death is a, is a necessary part of the evolutionary mechanism to bring about a more advanced and stronger species. Wrong! You're wrong! How do I know you're wrong? Because I have the Word of God. I have the One who created the world, and He has told me why we have death, and it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. Okay, so that's worldview. How do I understand the world? If you understand the Bible, you'll begin to have a proper worldview. And then also, we're going to begin to understand how the actions of one person, and this is really more important, how the actions of one person can affect the destiny of so many others. Okay? That's the big one. How can the actions of one person affect the destiny of so many others? All right, here are the... the, Basically, we're going to build on these links, and they're going to show us how these things are connected. Death for all men and the sin of Adam. First... Sin came into the world through Adam. Second, death came into the world through the sin of Adam. And third, death spread to all men because all sinned in Adam. And that's where it gets a little tricky, and we're going to work through that, okay? So let's begin with the first point. The first two are rather, they're straightforward for the most part. Sin came into the world through Adam. Sin came into the world through Adam. Look back at your Bibles. Please, look back at the Word of God. See what it says. Beginning in verse 12, Paul says, "Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man." Stop right there. Do you see that word therefore? With the very first word, the debates and discussions begin among Bible scholars. And I'll and I'll try to address this with you. The reason is is when you see the word therefore, it implies that it is speaking or it's going to speak to something that was connected prior. So like if I say blah 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 blah, therefore it's connected to the blah 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 what I'm about to say. Do you understand? Therefore, all right? So there now becomes this discussion because they're not people are not certain. They have there's different opinions about what exactly is this section here 12 through 21 Connected to exactly in in this prior spot, what is is the link? And there's a debate about that. One option is this that in verses 12 through 21, Paul is providing us a basis for the certainty of our final salvation through Christ. Now, you're going to see that, you'll understand that when we get through it. He's providing a basis for our final salvation through Christ, which is something Paul has stressed in verses 1 through 11. Now, if you've been with us, you understand that, right? We've been talking about the assurance of salvation, our final salvation, our complete salvation. So, Paul's been dealing with that. Now, beginning in verse 12, he's going to give us the basis for that assurance, that finality of that salvation. Okay, that's a possibility. Another closely related idea is this. After Paul states in verses 9 and 10, 9 and 10 of the same chapter, that the death of Jesus Christ secures the justification and the reconciliation. Do you remember those words? Those are important words, beloved, for Christians to know. Biblical words, terminology. Justification and reconciliation. After Paul explains that it's Jesus Christ who does that, he now wants to explain how it is that the actions of one person, Jesus Christ, can permanently change the future of a multitude of others. How is that? How does this one guy have that kind of impact on so many others? Not only this one guy, but what he did. You kind of with me? Okay. Either way, whatever it means, or exactly what therefore is referring to, Paul begins his discussion here with an introduction to Adam, because... He uses Adam first, I believe, to demonstrate an important principle for us to understand, and that's this. I'm going to say it again several times that one person's actions can affect the destiny of so many others. And he will speak, he speaks about Adam first, but then he will speak about Christ, and he will apply the very same principle to him. Okay? Now, Adam is not named in verse 12. Right? Look back at your text. Is he named there? No, but he is obviously, from the context you know this, and also from what Paul is saying, he is obviously the one man that Paul refers to through whom sin came into the world. Paul is drawing his facts from the story of creation that is recorded in the opening chapters of the very first book of the Bible called Genesis. Thank you. And it is there that we learn about the very first human being that was created. Okay, now, by the way, this is a side note, some, and I don't have time for any of this because I have six pages of notes, but here we go. People, you know, will say that Genesis is not really a historical account of a real man and a real woman created by God in a garden, so on and so forth. This is like poetry or some type of other kind of message. It's not real. It's not historical facts, but that's not how these people are treated by other people in the Bible. That's not how Paul saw Adam. Paul treated Adam like he was a real guy who did real things in a real place, okay? So it's all nonsense. You can either believe what other people say or you can believe what the Word of God says. That's our choice. I'm going with the Word of God. That's just me. So Paul's drawn his facts from this story about creation recorded in Genesis. And there we learn about this man named Adam created by God. Adam was the head of the human race, okay? He was the one through whom all human beings would flow. He was the first man. And we come to find out that this one man in Genesis, we come to find this out, this one man named Adam disobeyed an explicit command of God to not eat from a particular tree in the Garden of Eden. How many of you are with me so far? Does any of this sound familiar? If it doesn't, that's okay. If it's all new to you, that's okay too. But there's the story. You can read it in Genesis. You can get all the details. Now listen, it was this one single act of rebellion by Adam. It was through this one transgression or trespass that sin came or entered into the good world because that's how God made it. When he was all said and done, he says, this is good. This is how sin entered into the good world God had created. That's what Paul is referring to here in Romans 5, 12. It was through this trespass of Adam's. It was through his disobedience to God concerning this explicit command. Now, someone might ask, if they know the story, they might ask this, wasn't Eve Adam's, do you know who Eve is? Right, she's Adam's wife. You said, yeah, I should have tested you. Well, who is she? She's Adam's, I mean, we we should know, I mean, these are kind of common things that people just generally know, Adam and Eve. If you've read the story in Genesis, you might be asking this, wait a minute, wasn't Eve the first one to eat the fruit, the forbidden fruit from this tree? And technically she was the first one to eat the fruit. It says she ate it and then she gave it to her husband who was there with her and he ate. Genesis 3.6, that's true. But ultimately, listen, the blame goes to Adam. It goes to Adam because he stands as the appointed representative of the human race do you know what Adam means in Hebrew? It means man or humankind. His very name demonstrates that he is the representative of us, of all of mankind. So according to God's word, Adam alone is the one who bears the responsibility for introducing sin into the world. With me? He brought it in. Now, Were there any consequences for Adam's disobedience? Uh, Yes, there were. And it was much more than a slap on the wrist or a timeout. Much more significant. And that brings me to point two. Point two is death came into the world through the sin of Adam. You see what you're learning here? You are learning what the answer is, is to why do all people die? You are learning the biblical, theological answer to that question, the right one. Paul says in 5.12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, we just talked about that, and death through sin. Stop, please. The penalty for violating the command concerning the forbidden tree was death. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Through Adam, sin came into or entered the world, and as a result of Adam's transgression, death came into the world. Death came into the world. Beloved, listen. At the very beginning of human history, death was not a part of the human experience. Do you understand? That was not God's... He did not say, hey, I'm going to incorporate death into the... This is, I want there to be death. I like death. I dig death. It was not that. Death came into the world. It was a ruthless intruder. It doesn't belong. You know how I know it doesn't belong, beloved? You know how I know that? Because in Revelation 21, verse 4, we are promised that God is making a new heaven and a new earth. And guess what isn't there? Death. Death will no longer be a reality for the people of God. For every Christian, for those who are in Christ, death will no longer be a part of their reality in the new heavens and new earth. It will be removed permanently. So it has come into the world. It's a a violent and awful intruder into this world. So here's the sequence so far. Sin came into the world through whom? Adam. And through the sin of Adam... Death came into the world. You got it? Like I said, that's fairly straightforward. Now comes the third point, which I'm going to do my best to explain to you how it is that Adam's sin now, Adam's transgression, Adam's trespass is linked to the death of all men, of all humanity. How are they linked? Third point, death spread to all men because all sin. And then I add these two words, in Adam, to my point. Okay? Now, why do I say in Adam, and what does that even mean? I'm going to explain that. Now, let's look at the text together. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Paul says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. All sinned. It doesn't say in Adam, does it? So is your pastor trying to pull a fast one on you? No. Just give me a, give me a few minutes here to explain this to you. It just says, because all sin. Now, why has death spread or penetrated to all men? Or why is it true that death visits all people, all people, young and old, infant and senior? Why is death our common and present reality? Well, according to the text... According to what it says in verse 12, it is because all sinned. All sinned. That means it's universal. There isn't a one, not a single person, according to this text, who has not sinned. Now listen carefully because I realize for many of you, this may be the first time hearing what I'm about to say, but I assure you I am not the first one to say it. Okay? I didn't just make this up this week. Oh, this will be fun. I didn't do that. All right. This this position that I'm gonna give you concerning this text is a valid interpretation and teaching that is held and defended by many in the Christian faith. Okay, so know that first. So let me ask you a question as we get to that. In what sense can it be said, in what sense can it be said that all died because all sinned? In what sense can it be said? How can we understand that? All died because all sinned is Paul simply saying, listen, is Paul simply saying that because all people born into this world end up sinning like Adam did? Because remember, there's a connection here with Adam, right? He starts by talking to you about Adam. Sin came into the world through this guy. Death through sin. And so now death has spread to all men because all sin. There must be a connection with Adam. Otherwise, he could have left Adam out of the whole thing. He could have just said, hey, Everyone dies because all sin, but he's connecting it back to Adam. Why? Does he mean by this that everyone dies because they all end up sinning just like Adam did? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying, listen, Adam sinned and, and everyone else sins too, and that's why they all die. That, is, that was what explains the death of each person. They, they are dying because of their individual sins. They, that's what caused their death. Now at first sight, if you were to just read this without looking further, and Thomas talked about this on Friday, about context, 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 context. That means I can't just take a verse out of its other verses where it lands and then try to understand it. I need to understand it in its context. What are the verses that follow it? What are the verses before it? What is Paul saying? Does anything else contribute to my understanding of this verse in verse 12. Yes, the following verses contribute significantly to my understanding of verse 12. And when you begin to look at the context, the idea that Paul is saying people die because of their own individual sins, that idea cannot hold up. That interpretation cannot remain. It doesn't stand. And I'll show you that. Let me show you why I've added the words in Adam to all sinned in my point. In the context or the verses that follow in this section, specifically verses 15 through 19, Paul repeatedly states five times, once in each verse, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, that it is specifically the one trespass, one, or disobedience of the one man, Adam, that brought death, judgment, judgment, and condemnation to all men. Are you hearing that? I'm going to show it to you. Paul basically is saying the same thing a little differently each time, but the point is the same. And the point is this. Paul is connecting universal death, the fact that all die, to the one sin of Adam that brought death. And he is not connecting it back to the individual sins of each human being. I'll show that to you. Romans chapter 5. So I have some... I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read uh, beginning in verse 15. So I'm just going to read the underlined parts, okay? Because we're going to come back to this section, and you'll see it again next week. Because here he's making contrast between Adam and Christ, and then later on he'll make comparisons between Adam and Christ. But here we go. For if many died through... How many men's trespass? One. Many died, a great number died. All men are dying because of this one man's trespass. Verse 16. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, one man's sin, one man's transgression, one man's disobedience, because of that, death reigned, death ruled. Through that one man. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to what? Condemnation for all men. One trespass. Verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Why were the many made sinners? by the one man's disobedience. Okay, so, you know, I have 20, 25 hours to write, you know, just look at this stuff. That's what I kind of spend each week on the material, to look this over, to digest it, to think about it. And you get 45, 55 minutes or so uh, to work through this with me. And and, and And if it's new to you, it's like, well, okay, I'm still trying to get it. So don't... If you don't get it right now, just let it soak a little bit, okay? But I'm going to try to put this together for you. In an attempt to reconcile verse 12 with the following verses that I just read, you would need to say this. If you want to put the two together, because all sin, because of the one sin of Adam, I'll die. All die because all sin, but all die because of the one sin of Adam. If you want to put them together. Then we have to say this, and apparently in some way, all die, all are dying. It's, dire- it's directly connected to the sin of all is directly connected to and identical to the sin of Adam. somehow is connected. Because it's clear in the context that it is his sin, his sin, his trespass that has brought death to all people. So when Paul says in verse 12, all sin somehow that has to connect back to the very sin of Adam, because he's the one that Paul is piling on responsibility for the death of all people. All sinned, all die, yet Adam sinned, trespassed, and that has brought death, condemnation, judgment to all men. There's a connection, a very strong connection. Therefore, it should be said, and I'll discuss how this is possible in a moment, that every person born into this world is considered by God as having sinned in or with, maybe that's a better way for you to understand it, in or with Adam, and that is why all ultimately die. Every single person born into this world is considered as sinning in or with Adam. You go, how is that? Hold on. Just you need to get this. Considered sinning in or with Adam, and that is why all die. One commentator says it this way, or he says it this way, all people therefore stand condemned, there's those words, in Adam, guilty by reason of the sin committed in him. Or you could say it this way, the sin of Adam is the sin of us all. The sin of Adam is the sin of us all. And this understanding, beloved, solves the apparent contradiction that exists between the ideas that all died because all sinned and that all died because Adam sinned. Which is it? Which is right? It is both. All sinned because all of humanity has sinned in Adam, the representative of humanity. I don't don't understand that. Okay, I'm not saying you need to understand it right now. I just want you to get the principle. Okay? Remember I said there's some mystery here? Some of the details? You don't want to miss this big point. We find this in Romans, this really is an explanation of a very short statement that Paul makes in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, Paul says this, for as in Adam, in Adam, all die. Every person who is in Adam, every person who is represented by Adam, and who's that? All of humanity, they all die. So also in Christ, and this is what we'll get to next week, so also in Christ, in comparing this principle and this idea, all who are in him shall be made alive. They will live. They will live with God forever. Okay, so let me provide you further support now of what I'm trying to explain to you, and we'll do that by looking at the two verses that follow verse 12. We looked at context, but let's just look at the immediate context of verse 13 and 14 that follows verse 12. Watch this. At the end of verse 12, there is a hyphen. Do you see it there? Do you see the hyphen? It's that little dash. Do you see it in your Bibles? Okay, the translators put that there to communicate to you that Paul doesn't complete a sentence. He basically, there's a, there, if you read the sentence, it's not completed. He's, you know, He's saying, listen, since we, oh, let me read right here. Just as sin came into the world, so it sounds like he's going to make a comparison, but he never, he never finishes the comparison. It's believed he picks that back up in verse 18. He comes right back to that thought, okay? But he never finishes it. He gets to the end of verse 12, and he says, he doesn't finish it in that sentence, he stops, and it, It looks like he's stopping to prove the comment that he just made, to give you a reason for the comment that he just made, because all sinned. He's going to explain it now, because he wants you to understand, what do do I, do I mean by that, all sinned? Okay, verses 13 and 14. Watch. Here in these verses, he provides further evidence for the idea that all people die because all sinned in or with Adam by showing that physical death has come to all, including those who have not directly transgressed or broken the law of God, and thereby become worthy of death. So, what is the point that Paul wants his readers to understand in this section? That the only explanation for all of these people dying, the fact that death is universal, is the fact that they have sinned in Adam. Or you could say that Adam's transgression, the very transgression that carried a death penalty, must, listen, must have been considered by God as their transgression as well. They sinned when he sinned. You and I sinned when Adam sinned. And the proof of that is that every single one of us die. That's the idea. That is the idea. Now, you know, this is why it's important, I think, to be in a church that just moves through the scriptures. Because many times I've been to places, when they get to these difficult sections of scripture, they just skip them. They just pass over them. They just jump around to the things that are a lot easier. But beloved, it's the next thing in the line here, so we're tackling it. And yes, it can be a little bit difficult to understand, but it is not not important. Don't make the confuse, oh, it's difficult, so I, I'm, I can just blow it off. No! Sometimes the more difficult things are the more, many times, the more important things to understand. Okay, so you need to get this. Ah, uh, they sinned when he sinned. Okay, I said that already. One Bible commentator puts it like this. They died because Adam's sin was imputed to them, imputed to them. Have we used that word before, imputed, imputed? Imputed. Have you ever heard me use that word before? I have, because I've talked about the fact that the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to the believer. It is credited to the believer. What do I mean by that? The believer doesn't have any righteousness of his own. He is credited with the righteousness of Christ. He is reckoned as being righteous, considered righteous in God's sight because of what Christ has done. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Okay. In this case, we have been imputed with the sin of Adam. Here's a book right here. It's called Dictionary of Theological Terms. I've recommended it to you before. You know how we have dictionaries for our common words? Well, biblical terminology, This has, it's basically a large collection of biblical terminology, different kind of things you find in the Bible, and it gives you a simple definition. Very good resource. Dictionary of Theological Terms by Donald K. McKim. If you look it up, you're going to find these words here, imputation of sin, imputation of sin. And here's the definition in that book. It is God reckoning or regarding a person as a sinner on the basis of an action of another, particularly in reference to the imputation of the sin of Adam to all subsequent humanity. Subsequent means just all of humanity that flowed out of Adam, sin. Adam's sin has been imputed to them. Romans 5:12 through 14, that's where we are. Right? So I'm not making this stuff up. This is the position here. Now let me quickly show you what I'm talking about when I just said that verses 13 through 14. I kind of gave you an overview. Let me show it to you. Look back at the text, verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Moses, I'm sorry, from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Stop there. So in verse 13, Paul acknowledges that sin is obviously prevalent in the world even before the law of God was ever given. Why? Because the the Jew might say, well, there can't be sin without the law. You know, there was sin in the world even before Moses. That's God gave his law to his people through his servant Moses. Remember? We call it the Mosaic Law. Even before that came into the world, we know there was sin in the world. But then Paul argues this that sin is not counted when there is no law. What does that mean? It's simple, guys. It's simple. It means that. When no explicit list of commands exists, when they're not there, there can be no strict accounting of specific points of violation. Oh, wow. Okay, let me say it another way. You cannot be held legally guilty of violating a law that doesn't exist. That's the principle. You cannot be held legally guilty of violating a law that doesn't exist. But watch what Paul said does. So he he acknowledges sin was in the world, okay? Sin was in the world, but where there is no law, then it can't be counted against them. And then in verse 14, yet death still reigned from Adam, from the first man to Moses, before the giving of the law, death is still happening. What is going on? Everyone's still dying, even though their guilt was not counted against them, and it couldn't have been because they didn't violate specific commands. And if you're not sure that's what Paul's saying, he makes it more clear. He adds that death reigned. In other words, when you think of reign, you think of a king, maybe. King's reign. King's rule. Death ruled. It took everyone. No exceptions, right? Paul adds, the death reigned even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Even over those, so these people who are dying, listen, I acknowledge to you, it reigned over them even though their sin wasn't the same as Adam's. What what was he talking about? The law Adam broke was an explicit regulation attached to an explicit death penalty. Genesis 2, 17, for in the day that you eat Of that tree, you shall die. Prior to the Mosaic Law, prior to the giving of the law, the world did not have such written formulations. Not like that. One writer puts it this way They, these people who died, did not transgress a specific positive commandment that threatened death to the disobedient. They did not. From Adam to Moses, they did not. All who lived between the time of Adam and Moses had no positive threatening of death for transgression. Nonetheless, even so, death continued to take them. It continued to reign over them. Why? See, Paul wants you to draw a conclusion. Why did death reign over them? It was apparently not for their own sins, but because in some way they had sinned in or with Adam. They had sinned in or with Adam. By the way, this explanation, I mean, I hate to talk about this even, but when we consider the death of infants, this is, the only, this is the only way to explain this theologically. Tell me, if it is that people die, Paul's saying that people die because they sin just like Adam did, then tell me why infants die. Tell me when they even had a chance to sin just like Adam did. Or to sin in the same way. Or to even sin. Infants, I'm talking about. Listen, as soon as they get big enough, they're sinning away. I get that. All right? Big enough. Two. One and a half. I don't know. I mean, they're there. But I'm talking about an infant. Why did they die? Theologically, this is how we understand this. In some way, they have sinned. They have broken the first law. They have sinned in Adam. And they are guilty and worthy of death. But how is that possible, you ask? How, could, how can you say that we or an infant or anybody has sinned in Adam? Well, the answer to that question has historically, this is it now, this is where there's some mystery, okay? You need to understand, we have sinned in Adam. Listen, some of you might be thinking, are you saying, Jeremy, that we, we're not held accountable for our own sins? No, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about death now. I'm just trying to say what Paul's saying without adding to it, without subtracting from it. I'm trying to get at what he's saying here, okay? He'll come back to the fact that, listen, you know, we sin, absolutely. You know what that does? That just heaps up our condemnation. That just adds to our transgressions. But I'm talking about this man, Adam, and this principle. All die because all sinned, And we must understand it that all sinned in Adam. It's the only way to make sense of everything that Paul's communicating in this section of Scripture. Jeremy, tell me how. How is that the case? This is where there's some mystery. It has been understood in primarily two ways over the years among theologians. Who are theologians? People who study God, who know God, Bible scholars, these kind of people, and Christians, right? This is how they've understood it. Two ways. The first way to answer that question is that the entire human race existed in seed form in the person of Adam. In in seed form in the person of Adam, the first man. And his descendants, who are the descendants of Adam, by the way? Yeah, us, just so you know. Yeah, we're all related. That's just one of the many reasons racism is the dumbest thing ever. We all come from one guy. All his descendants then existed in seed form in Adam. And as his descendants, we, or to say it another way, humanly existed, this might sound weird, in Adam's loins. That's a reference to the sexual organs. So that it can be said that when Adam sinned, all sinned, all of humanity sinned with him, and they were there. In that garden, you and I were there in seed form, in his loins, and we participated in that sin. That is one position. This has been referred to as seminal headship. How many of you have heard that term before? Woo! Four. And maybe a few others who are afraid to raise their hand or they're just tired. It's been a long day. I get that. Sem, because I'm making you tired right now, right? Seminal headship, Okay. And, and usually what's emphasized in seminal headship is this guilt of Adam's, the sin of Adam's, is transferred from one to the other through propagation. In other words, Adam gave birth to children. What was transferred in that was his guilt, his sin. Then they gave birth. So not only is physical characteristics being transferred, but spiritual realities are being transferred one to the other, Okay. Now, you might think that's a strange idea. You go, that's crazy talk. Where would you get anything like that? They got it from the Bible. That's where they got it. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9, I'm not going to, you can turn there if you'd like or write it down. I'm just going to read it to you. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 9, listen closely in verse 9. One might say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. One might say that, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. You're like, oh, I, what are you even talking about? Listen, long before Levi was born, okay, Levi's a guy, just remember that, here's Levi, long before he was born, several centuries before he was born, there was this man, Abraham. If you've been with us, you know about Abraham. We've talked about him because Paul talks about him in Romans, very important man. Abraham paid tithes to a very unique person in the Bible named Melchizedek, and I don't, I don't want to get into the whole of that. That's a whole other thing. But he paid tithes to him. He paid an offering to him, okay? The writer of Hebrews says concerning Levi, who was a descendant of Abraham, that it can be said of Levi that he too also paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. But how is that since he wasn't even born? He wasn't there. But in some sense, he was because he was in the loins of Abraham. In seed form, he was there. He existed. So it can be said that he as well participated in the tithe. This, in part, is where we get this idea of seminal headship. We were there. He was, the, he was it. This was the first human. From him, all humans came In some way, God says, you were there with him in that garden. You sin, therefore, you die. Okay? All right, here's another one. Here's another way, and these are the two primary ways. The other way is that it has been understood. This one might be a little bit easier for you to get your head around. And I think it's the best way that accounts for the comparison or analogy that Paul goes on to make, and we'll see, between Adam and Christ. It is this. God made Adam, I've already referred to this, God made Adam the representative head for all of humanity. He made him the representative. My wife and I were talking about this. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's, it's similar, okay? She's a manager where she works. When one of her employees messes up, who ultimately gets the blame? She does. You know, that's... You know, When I got into management many, many years ago, that was the first thing they told me. So I'm going to explain something to you about leadership. Here's the first rule. Everything's your fault. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Glad I took this position. Everything is your fault. You find that out, all right, if you're in management. It's all your fault. It's all on you. Why? You are the one that has made the representative of that organization or of that company. Now, it's similar, but it's not exactly the same. Adam was made, as the first man, the representative head of all humanity. So even though my wife didn't do this terrible thing that one of her employees did, she takes all the heat. It's like she bears the responsibility for it. She has to deal with it even so. In the same sense, similar, Adam's acts were our acts. Adam's sin was our sin. And this is referred to as federal headship. Federal headship or another way to say it is representative headship. Okay, okay. This is again. We're all, yeah, we're over, but that's okay. We're, I'm almost done. Um, it's the same. We see this even in our form of government. We have a representative government. The government represents us, right? If our government declares war against another country, we then, by default, become enemies of that country, even though we didn't declare war. Even though we say, "I'm not an enemy." Oh, yes, you are. They are your representatives. You are now seen as enemies of that country because your representative has declared war. Okay, so we can see that in other things. Now, um, which one is it? Is it seminal headship? Is it federal headship? I I don't know. Uh, Some say it's both. I can accept that too. I can accept the idea that Uh, Not only were we there in Adam, but he is also our federal head. So in both senses, we have participated and we have been imputed with his guilt. And now maybe some of you are saying, um, I'm not sure if this is why you have your arms folded. I think you just do that normally. But maybe you're saying, hey, that's not fair. That's probably not what you were thinking, though. Good. Okay. That's just a comfortable way for you to sit. Hey, that's not that's the look you gave me. That's not fair. That's not right. Okay, hold on to that thought. Hold on to that. Why do I, especially in our culture, right? We're individualist. Hey, we, we only, you know, I, I'm, I stand on my own merit or my own fall. It's me. I want to be held responsible for me and no one else. Fine. Okay, you hold on to that thought for a second. God is saying Paul is saying here, he's showing us something, he's showing us a principle. We have been held responsible. We sinned with Adam. That's why all die. That's the point. One man can affect the destiny of many others, okay? Stick with me. Romans 5.14, we're almost done, and this is so good. Come back. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Here it comes, who was a type of the one to come. Adam was a type of the one to come. In what sense? And who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. He was the one to come after Adam. He was the one, the Messiah. Adam is in some way, in all of this stuff that we're talking about, his sin, death upon the whole world, in some way he is similar to the one who was to come, that is Jesus Christ. But in what sense is Adam similar to Jesus Christ. It is in this sense. Listen, now it'll start to maybe come together for you. And we're really going ha- really to look at this and all its beauty next week. I'm going to quote a guy because I think he said it very well. Adam's descendants. This is the way in which they are similar. Adam and Jesus. In which the coming one was a type of Adam. Adam's descendants. Who are Adam's descendants, beloved? Us, right? I've already asked that. That's us. We're all implicated In his sin and died. Because if you haven't, you are going to. Even though they didn't violate specific commands as he did. Why? Because they are in Adam. When he sinned, and I explained to you how that's possible, they sinned. Here it is. In like manner, similar to that, all of Christ's descendants born spiritually through the new birth are identified with him. And are counted as righteous, not because of their individual deeds of righteousness, but because of Christ's righteousness. Did you get that? Did you get that? You want to tell me it's not fair? Fine. But neither is it fair for me to be credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, to stand before God whole and justified when I did nothing, to accomplish that in my own merit. Do you understand? One other, John Piper. I like this guy. Good preacher. He explains it like this, commenting on this. This is the all important parallel. What's he talking about? Type. He's talking about the statement at the end of 14. Adam was a type of the one to come. This is it. The deepest reason why death reigns over all is not because of our individual sins. Deepest reason but because of Adam's sin imputed to us. So the deepest reason eternal life reigns is not because of our individual deeds of righteousness, but because of Christ's righteousness imputed to us by grace through faith. Big, guys. Big, 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 big. This is our salvation we're talking about. Beloved the one, Adam, he has ruined the many. He has, that scoundrel. By the way, and before you heap up on Adam, whoa, can't believe, man. I wouldn't have done that. You think not? Adam was a, he was, he, was an, he didn't have even half the stuff that we're exposed to, right? He's the first man. He was the best shot you and I had. He blew it. You think you could do better than him? You take that up with him when you get to heaven. You take it up with Adam. You're wrong. No way. God put that best foot forward and still, still, this just demonstrates something. We're not God. We are messed up. Still, he sinned. Still. And when I think about it, I get so frustrated. From every tree in the garden, you can eat, Adam. Every single one. I bet it was amazing. You see the one over there? Don't eat from that. Just like, you know, right? We see this. Yeah. But it was his wife, absolutely. She's the responsible party. <laughs> that was for you, Edgar. You know, I'm kidding, Mildred. You know, I'm kidding. No, Adam was held responsible. This is why I'm so hard on men. Men. Adam was held responsible. Right? Adam has ruined the many, but what Adam has ruined is more than recovered in Christ. Yes! If God had left us there, there was nothing else that the coming one never came. We'd be in a sad sort. But part of God's plan was to demonstrate this. So he demonstrated the reality of what he was going to do. I am going to make you right with me. I am going to change the destiny of many through this one man. You know how I'm going to teach you that? Through this one man, he's going to sin, and I am going to impute to you his guilt, and you'll know that because every single one of you will die. Beloved, this morning you are either in Adam or in Christ. If you're in Adam, right, we all came into the world through Adam. So we're going to die. But if you are not in Christ, then you have no hope of eternal life. None. It is only through Christ. He's the only one that rights the wrong. He's the only one that fixes the problem that Adam started. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word, and Lord, I trust. I mean, that's a lot. You know, we covered, Father, and try to work that through our minds. Father, I just pray, as I did before, that your Spirit would work in our hearts and our minds. We'd meditate on these truths, begin to understand them. They're really, we've really kind of jumped into the deep end of the theological pool. and We could drown here if we're not careful, but it's deep. can't touch the bottom. It's a mystery here, Father, certainly. But may we not miss the big idea that through the actions of one, one man, the destiny of many others can be decided. Father, may we embrace that as we embrace Christ. May we recognize our guilt in Adam. May we recognize that what we deserve because of Adam, that we sinned in and with him. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ, that one man, has made a way through his Acts through his obedience as opposed to Adam's disobedience, through his righteousness as opposed to Adam's unrighteousness, he has made a way for us to be made right with you and to have eternal life. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And may those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, may they realize they desperately need to call on Him and believe in Him as the one who can make them right with you, God. I pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen.